Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Ilya Meritz, in for Charlie Herman. If you're planning on watching or running in the New York City Marathon this weekend, excuse me, the TCS New York City Marathon, well, you're going to see a lot of this particular corporate logo around. It's sort of a pink hugging arms shape. That's Airbnb, now in their third year sponsoring the race. But whatever warm, fuzzy feelings they hoped to generate, Airbnb is playing defense in New York. They're fighting a new law to drastically restrict its business model of disrupting the hospitality industry. Which is sort of funny, because another startup that also calls itself a disruptor is doing very well in New York. I'm talking Uber, the app for calling a car service. Dana Rubenstein wrote about this contrast in Politico. The article is titled, Why Uber and Airbnb Met Very Different Outcomes in New York City. Welcome back to WNYC, Dana. Hi, Ilya. So what did Uber get right that Airbnb got wrong? Well, I think the main thing, and I think this is something that Uber doesn't really advertise much, and so therefore people don't realize, is that Uber is really heavily regulated in New York City. And it succumbed to regulation without much of a fight back when it entered the market. So Uber cooperates with regulators. It operates as a black car company, and it has largely worked with city government in New York City because New York City is its most valuable market in the United States. And Airbnb has been far less willing to do that. Now, these companies have a lot in common. They both have valuations in the tens of billions of dollars. Neither one is publicly traded. And both companies have been accused of arrogance. I want to play some clips to illustrate that point. First up, we have uh, Airbnb co-founder Brian Chesky on Morning Joe last year. He's responding to a question about obeying local laws on hospitality. He kind of says, yeah, whatever. And I think there already are co-op and building laws, and we want our hosts to honor those. And I just don't think a city law should decide who can do it and who can't. The building should decide that. And here's Travis Kalanick, Uber's CEO, taking a very pointed question from Stephen Colbert also last year. Uber kills professional, good-paying jobs, and it's unfair to the drivers, and it's destroying the cab industry. My response is, let's just take New York, for example. Taxi driver spends $40,000 a year renting a car. That should be a Bentley that you're riding around in. (laughs) So uh, wouldn't you say both companies have kind of adopted the attitude, we're the future, deal with it? Yeah, totally. Their rhetoric is very similar. It's very anti-regulation. But the difference is that Chesky is actually adopting a posture that accords with his rhetoric in New York, or has in the past, and Kalanick hasn't. I mean, Uber came to New York City, and it operates as a for-hire car service. It's basically just a black car service with slightly fancier technology. Probably the toughest challenge to Uber was this move by the de Blasio administration last summer to cap the number of black cars making pickups. How did Uber choose to play that particular fight, and why did they ultimately prevail? Well, they had, I think it was a far easier fight for them for a couple of basic structural reasons. One is that the taxi industry in New York City, the yellow taxi industry, has a really bad reputation. And the people who control a large portion of the medallions that enable you to run taxis in New York City have a very bad reputation. So it's not hard to demonize big taxi in New York City. And the other thing was that 
Big Taxi had donated a lot of money to Bill de Blasio's mayoral campaign. They're some of his most steadfast supporters. So even if what de Blasio had wanted to do from a regulatory standpoint had had a strong policy basis for it, everything that he does as far as taxi regulation that would seem to support the existing industry players is just automatically suspect. Right. And I guess if you look at who Airbnb's enemies are, there's a lot of tenant activists, neighborhood groups, and the hotel workers union, and then then the hotel industry as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's hard to demonize a maid in a hotel. It's hard to demonize people who want to preserve affordable housing. You can make the argument that Airbnb missed an opportunity to demonize the hotel industry. But either way, they were up against some basic sort of structural disadvantages, not to mention the fact that the Hotel Workers Union is extremely well organized and established in New York. And it it really knows how to play the game here in a way that Airbnb does not seem to. So Airbnb has its own very serious challenge right now. There's the new law to restrict not only illegal rentals, but any online advertising for those illegal rentals. Uh, Basically, what it could do is really shrink the number of people who are posting their apartments on the Airbnb website. What's your read on what happens next in that case? I mean, you have to imagine that if you own or rent an apartment in New York City and hear that there's a possibility you could be fined up to $7,500 for advertising that apartment on Airbnb, you might be dissuaded from doing so. But there's also an argument to be made that the city will use the law to more effectively target the really bad actors, the people who are operating illegal hotels, and that they'll leave the small-time players alone. I've covered the Airbnb issue in particular for years, and it's always struck me that they really have no friends in the council, no friends in Albany. And I'm wondering why you think that is. They have put so much effort into lobbying. They've hired some really smart people in particular who've worked with New York Democrats. I'm not sure what the issue is with them. They don't seem to be that good at politics. And I can't figure out why, given the resources that they have at their disposal. But you look at this one example, how they sort of shot themselves in the foot when they were trying to win the support of the New York State real estate lobby, which is a very powerful lobby here, when they ran attack ads against a state senator who had been backed by the real estate lobby. And then it was just over for them. Yeah, then real estate walked away. All right, let's briefly touch on lessons learned. Let's say I have a new startup. I want to disrupt, (laughs) um, I don't know, the bagel industry, and I'm coming to New York next. What would be your advice to me based on what you've learned from Uber and Airbnb? I'd say hire really smart political hands. Heed their advice. I think one issue for Airbnb is they're not necessarily heeding their well-recompensed lobbyists' advice. And work with regulators, because the truth is this is New York City. It's a very liberal, very progressive, very union-friendly city that is not going to be particularly open to a company that wants to defy all existing law because it argues it represents some sort of new business model. Dana Rubenstein, senior reporter for Politico. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ilya. I'm Ilya Meritz. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 